0: Jeremy Bernard decommits we have 10 kids signed to the 2023 recruiting class just nine days ahead of signing day. Is that going to be an issue? Michigan State football gets a transfer, and then yes, in segments two and three. Friend of the program, Sam Martin, joins us to talk Michigan State basketball and some of our biggest overreactions to the first month of the season. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans,
1: your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast
0: Network, your team. Every day. Hey everyone, really quick. This episode of Locked on Spartans is brought to you by Sling TV. Next time that the Spartans hit the hardwood on the basketball court, well, throw it up on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. How on earth are we doing, Michigan State fans? And Locked On Spartans listeners, thank you so much for kicking off your... Whatever day this is, Monday night, Tuesday morning. I, you listen to this on a random Thursday afternoon. Whatever day and time of day you're listening to this, hey, thank you so much for giving us a watch and listen. Hope you guys are coming off of a great weekend. My weekend was fine. You guys don't care. Uh, why would I talk about my weekend right now? Let's talk about the weekend of Michigan State football. I... Uh, started off, you know, pretty exciting. We had some big names on campus. We had Keyshawn Blackstock. He is the top-rated offensive line junior college transfer. Okay, he was in East Lansing. That's very fun. We had Tumasi Adelaye. That's right, the top 40, former top 40 recruit from Texas A&M visiting this week. And we had Sam Levitt, the Washington State quarterback commit. We had a few other targets for this weekend. And no, you don't get any commits right there on the spot. And whether we expected that to happen or not point blank it, it didn't happen but is that what happened is that you got two more decommits for the 2023 class uh jeremy bernard hits the transfer portal on monday afternoon your coaching staff is still fully intact off uh five and seven season and just it is this looney tune ball over he's slanting and all we could do is just Put out a brave face and keep chopping hands right now. Um, <laughs> oh, God, this is going just great. Uh, we're going to talk about it all because, okay, maybe not everything is as bad as it optically seems, and we'll get to all of that throughout this segment here. But let's talk about something that just, like, can't be spun one way or another, right? And that's Jeremy Bernard hits the transfer portal. Look, we've seen kids hit the transfer portal already this season, and most of the time it's like, okay. Yeah, they were a good player. They had good moments here. But look, this is probably good for them. I don't think Michigan State is going to miss them all too much, as most of these guys have in depth pieces so far. But Jeremy Bernard's going to be a little bit different here. And look, I, I get it. Uh, he caught the first touchdown of the year. It was a great, great moment. 44-yard touchdown. And then after that, kind of quiet. You know, kind of really, so to speak, a non-factor after that game. But that's not to say that we're just, like, thrilled to see him leave and have a, hey, sayonara. No, 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 no. This was a four-star true freshman, showed some good glimpses this season, even as high school tape shows, you know, strong hands, good physicality, good route runner. And, yes, as the rest of the season didn't really go the way he probably wanted it to, out the door he goes. He has a no-contact clause on his uh, transfer portal, entry which means that no other sco- schools can reach out to him uh, probably means another school is in his year i look and i'm not gonna clutch my pearls and be like oh tampering like happens everywhere I, but even if that's not the case regardless that's the fact of the matter as to what's happening now uh, he's in the transfer portal no other schools can contact him and Hey, there goes a a four-star true freshman that we felt really good about going into the future because, well, he was probably going to get a good amount of playing time next year, right? Uh, You have Keon Coleman on one side, Trey Mosley may or may not come back, but beyond that, it's not like there's another dynamic pass catcher that's returning or someone that has shown in glimpses of what they can or cannot do. So, Jeremy was the best shot there. Kind of had him penciled in for a starting receiving spot next year, and we could just... Put a Sharpie right through that little penciled-in area. Now, the other two uh, names floating around this week, and they are both decommits for the 2023 class. One is Colton Hood. He is the defensive back out of Georgia. And then Jonathan Slack, interior offensive lineman from Detroit. We will start with Colton Hood. And look, I I, I get that, oh, hey, it's, it's not a big loss. It's fine. He was the low-rated commit. He was the second-lowest guy on our board, actually. But... I I have a hard time spinning this one as like, uh, oh, this is fine. It's good. Awesome. Ah, Who needs him anyway? Because Harlan Barnett just did an in-home visit with this kid on December 7th. Like, this isn't a thing where the staff just cooled off of him. They didn't put any resources down the stretch. And, oh, yeah, they kind of let the door open for him to leave. Like, Speaking of doors, Harlan Barnett walked through the kid's home door and gave him an in-home visit on December 7th. But, he took an official visit over the weekend to Auburn on Saturday. Decommits from Michigan State, and oh, would you look at that on Sunday. Okay, c- Commits to Auburn. Uh, stays home. Like I said, kid's from Georgia. He's going to be staying in that area. And uh, look, he's the second commit Michigan State had that went to Auburn. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time that just happened, point blank, uh, period, let alone twice in the same recruiting cycle. But yes, Clay Whedon, the offensive line commit, also flipped to Auburn earlier in this cycle as well. And like I said, second lowest rated guy on the board. He was a three-star, but still, like, we're going to get to this in a little bit. You do have just 10 commits right now, and you're going to want to start filling up this board here as we are, at the time of recording, nine days away from signing day. Uh, And right now, in the cornerback room, really quick for the 2023 class, three-star Eddie Pleasant, and then four-star Chance Rucker are your defensive backs. Both cornerbacks... Don't have a safety yet. Great. Uh, Just keep chopping. Uh, Jonathan Slack also decommits from Michigan State. And the way I understand it, that is a kind of a parting of ways, so to speak. I'm not going to, like, get way too into everything that I've heard. But let's just say um, sometimes you want to worry about the extracurriculars going on this one you want to worry about the curriculars going on i think that's been the issue at hand there so best of luck to Jonathan slack maybe like the junior college route for a year or two get everything under control and then go off to division one football after that might be the way to go about it Uh, so right now cole dellinger out of clarkson and then stanton rommel are your two offensive line commits for the 2023 class. Two really good names right there. And, you know, like we brought up at the top of the show, Keyshawn Blackstock, junior college transfer. Michigan State has an eye on him, but Blackstock also has his eye on a few other schools because, well, yeah, he's going to be hearing from a lot of other places as he's the number one rated junior college interior offensive lineman. So hopefully you can get his commit, but we'll see. Right now, Michigan State stands with 10 commits for the 2023 class, and I get everyone freaking out. I get everyone not freaking out. Uh, I I understand the people that are being a little skittish about this because optically, having 10 kids 9 days before National Signing Day might not suit the eye all that well. We're going to be doing some scrambling here to fill in those last 8 or 9 slots that Michigan State has, and you can fill some of those with transfers as well. But this is what happens when the whole summer is just predicated on Hitting home runs, get the high-rated four-stars, the five-stars, your plan A, plan B, guys. Let's go all out for them. And then a lot of them go elsewhere. And then, uh uh-oh, hey, did we forget to ever invite any plan C's on the campus? Do we forget to start building relationships with, you know, the three-star kids? Should these four-star kids and five-star kids not commit to us? Uh Uh-oh, well, we're kind of scrambling here and hoping that everything works out for the best. As you're coming off a five and seven season, too. You know, it's not like you've barnstormed out to a nice nine and three year or like a ten and two season. It's like, hey, we're the hot name in town. Come on, screw where you're committed right now. Get on over here. I'm not saying it's impossible to flip a kid with those circumstances, but let's not kid ourselves. It makes it a lot harder trying to make these relationships late in the cycle off the season Michigan State just had. But now, for the side of people that aren't freaking out about 10 players committed to this class, I get it completely as well because, look, you still have nine four-stars amongst those 10 kids. Your average rating for your recruits so far is squarely, squarely in the top 20 of the rankings right there. So, yes, Michigan State right now in 24-7 sports, they're rated outside the 40s right now. But that's because they don't have as many kids as other programs have and just a bebop around the rest of the big 10 like ohio state 19 commits penn state 20 commits michigan 19 uh iowa 21 commits northwestern 20 commits there are not a lot of schools that have just 10 commits indiana has nine wisconsin has eight and look wisconsin is going through a coaching change right now so different circumstances over there and speaking of coaching changes December 12th, and we still have the same staff coming off of a 5-7 and seven season. So, yeah, just throw that onto the pile. Where's my slide whistle? Throw that onto the pile of great things going on lately. Good God. Name me a serious program that goes 5-7 and seven in a year and makes no changes whatsoever to the coaching staff. Not to say that won't happen. There's a lot of off-season left, but what are we waiting for? Anyway. Hey, some good news. Uh, Adamola Fillet. Yes, a six foot-7 tight end from Norfolk State. He commits to Michigan State. Uh, Norfolk State saw Adamola Fillet catch four passes for 55 yards and a touchdown this year. And we talked about this before the weekend with Ryan O'Blenis of Spartans Illustrated. His cousin is Samson Okanlola. That's probably a reason. Why Michigan State offers this kid as he's getting other very low D1 offers or other FCS offers and, hey, oh, my God, Big Ten Michigan State's offering me? I don't think it's erroneous of me. It might be just uh, the brutal reality, but might, I don't think it's erroneous of me to say that I don't think this offer happens if you're not a cousin with, well, that five-star offensive tackle that Michigan State is going after. So he visits campus this weekend on Monday he commits, and if you're if you want, if you're a Spartan fan, you, you want uh, happiness right now. Uh, let's say this. Uh, Michigan State found the next Travis Kelsey, and uh, Norfolk State's staff should just be fired uh, for underutilizing him as criminally as they did. That's right. That's the spin zone we'll go with. If you just want my honest opinion, and I just feel absolutely horrible saying this, because at the end of the day, we're talking about student athletes, these hardworking kids, if you don't get Samson Okalola's commitment on December fifteenth, and by the way, not not looking like that's going to happen, as he hasn't been on campus in forever, he just got out of Florida's official visit with him. So, if if you don't get that commitment, oh man, um, got like eight spots that you want to fill, and you're looking for impact now, guys. That's what we're going to fill it with, a a Hail Mary of a play late in a kid's recruiting cycle to bring his cousin into town. Not really a Division I player, probably. And, uh uh-oh, it it ends up this kid commits and his cousin uh, doesn't at all. And so that would be one uh, way to (laughs) just end this whole... Samson Okalola style, but hey, I would love nothing more than to be proven wrong. Maybe he could be a day one starter, uh, hang up 850 receiving yards because Lord knows none of them are going to go to Jeremy Bernard anymore, and you need someone to catch the ball next year, no matter who's throwing it, so there we go. You know what, one more time for the road, let's get you out of here. That was your Weekend Recap in Michigan State Football. Hey, and before leaving you here out the door, Omaha Steaks, that's right. Hey. We want to spread the holiday cheer this holiday season. And what what spreads cheer more than a big old sack of meat from Omaha Steaks? Go to omahasteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide. That's right. Use promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, at checkout and get an additional $40 off your order. That's right. If you thought the meat that Omaha Steaks give you is mouthwatering, try those savings. Omaha Steaks has everything you need to give a gift that's simply perfect. Send an assortment of mouthwatering favorites like the delicious butcher's cut fillet mignon, air-fried uh, sorry, air-chilled chicken breast, ultra-juicy burgers and even easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Do not wait, order today and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code ON at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart. A gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing that you are getting the very best. Because you are the very best gift giver. Visit OmahaStakes.com, take advantage of 50% off site-wide, and use promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. Sam Martin, hey, you know what? Let's just get a quick vibe check on this basketball season. Our boys in green and white, we're one month in. To the season, mm-hmm. like it's yeah. unbelievable, seven and four. I ask you, Mister Sam Martin, on a scale of one to seven, one being like the greatest vibe of all time, seven is just like you're spiraling. Where are you at? Seven and four, Michigan State. Where are you at so far with the season? Take us to church. Uh, I'm I'm at three. Um, okay. Okay. genuinely look forward to game
1: days. I think uh, there's a lot to like about this team. I think it's been. More down than up the last couple years, uh, with the Hoops team. Um, thinking maybe things had kind of where we might be getting a little long in the tooth in the Izzo era. Um, that was my thought process anyway, sure. But, um, I really like this team. I think the you know, the wins and losses have been up and down. I think you know, with four losses on the season, losing by one in the win to Gonzaga, I that was a great performance. So, yep. you know, no problem with for that one. Alabama. You know, once I don't remember for the Alabama game whether Malik Hall had already gotten hurt. I think he had um by then. And yeah, once Malik Hall went out, the the team changed a lot and they've been up and yep. down in terms of wins and losses since then. But I really like watching AJ Hogard. Um and the Tyson Walker backcourt—it's just a—it's a wonderful thing. I think on both sides of the ball, I really like Akins. He was hurt early, you know. They've been without their two guys who can play the three with Akins. Right. They haven't had them together very much. When they get that together, I think the team will look a lot better. But uh, yeah, the backcourt's been great. Joey Hauser, just like really nice season as a movement shooter. And then, you know, Sissoko was great early. Um, he's been a little quiet since then. But overall, I enjoy watching the team. Just the quality of play is generally good. It's up and down. Of course, they were a little better earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're playing a defense generally. The offensive structure looks good. I think when they have all their pieces, I think they'll be pretty solid. Not a Big Ten title contender, but they'll be solid. And then, you know, depending on what happens next year could be the year to really take
0: a step forward. There's something humorous to be said and also accurate to be said that just like, I like watching this team. is like just where we're at kind of right now. Look, I mean, it's not where we want to be forever. And like, we hate to be in year three of this kind of limbo of, you know, the time mm-hmm. is so air and everything. But next year is looking pretty promising. But hey, right now, for this year, yeah. Like first time in three years, like you don't feel like, you know, throwing your coffee mug against the drywall while watching a game most of the time yeah most yeah. of the time like the end of the portland game okay I was, I was starting to get a little uh antsy there of course you know the remote almost went straight through the television but we were adults and we held our emotions in check sam so uh we lived to see another day there um i want to throw you my first overreaction from the season mm-hmm. and i think that You you set me up perfectly. Uh, You can tell that we've done this podcast anywhere from five times together to 55 times. I've lost count. Uh, Time is uh, Something like that. My first overreaction one month into the season is Malik Hall is your leading MVP candidate on this team. Now, a few weeks ago, whatever games ago, I said that, hey, Malik Hall, uh, his stock really went up. He wasn't even playing because, you know, they just lost that bad game. Notre Dame lost Northwestern. Okay, well, now I think he's got a legitimate shot to be like this MVP candidate. Because, look, you're, you're four and three without him, near losses to Oregon without him, and Portland without him. Probably would have beat Northwestern with him. Or is there a person that's actually been playing that you favor for MVP candidate?
1: So if you go by points per possession differential when the player's on the court. So you Let's get go. those numbers through hoop lens. Uh, Malik Hall is number two. Jaden Aiken okay. is number one. And Jaden Aikens, like the the defensive numbers, it's, you know, it's small sample size for everybody this early in the season. Sure. But both those guys have been hurt, you know. And Aikens basically has benefited from a lot of, like, bad luck by opponents shooting threes. So his, his defensive numbers are insane. Um, I think he's a good defender, but I don't think he yeah. controls the team's defense to that extent. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I think Hall, like, they were awesome. When he was on the court, I was very skeptical that he could play the three, and uh, I was wrong. Basically, like because Joey Hauser plays, you know, he's their movement shooter that they're running off screens, right. so it it balances out. And then you know, Hall can hit an open shot. It takes him a while to get it off, but with Hauser and Walker, they have enough shooting to play. Haul at the quote unquote three, which like mm-hmm. he runs the wing in transition, but in the half court, it's, you know, he's more setting screens for Hauser. So whatever you want to call it, I think they can get away with it. And then the, the sort of additive effect, I think of having him and Hauser who at least is big and he's been better defensively this year than in the past. Yeah. And Sissoko who, you know, has been at times an excellent defensive presence it's like what, when you add long wing after long, you know, power forward after tall center, it, and then the two point of attack defenders in Hogard and Walker, it was a really nice defense. So I think, yeah, on both ends of the court, he, on the, the court rather, forgive me, he was kind of the rug that tied the room together um, is what we're seeing. So most valuable player, most important player. I don't know. I, I actually
0: am kind of on board with that. Hey, I'm one for one? Oh, man, I, I thought this would go horrible. I thought I'd be <laughs> just getting completely swatted down for, for all four of these that I have written down in front of me. No, we're hey. off to a good start. I really like that one. Well, let's go on a heat check. And speaking of heat checks, you know who is lighting it up from the free throw stripe is one A.J. Hogart. Yes, the guy that walked into this season shooting 63% from the charity stripe last year. So my second biggest overreaction one month into the season is A.J. Hogarth's free throw percentage of 88.6% is the most important stat so far to this season. Now, this is subjective because you can go team stat. You can go another player's individual stat. You can go opponent stats if you really want to. But I think A.J. Hogarth, 88% from the line has been massive. Also, 4-4 in the bonus and the road at Penn State. 4-4 in the final 205 against Oregon as well. So clutch free throws as well in there. Is there another stat that sticks out to you? Because I also have Joey Hauser shooting 42% from three uh, is pretty nice as well. Mm -hmm. And then I also have, hey, our Michigan State Spartans, 16% turnover percentage. That's 33rd best in the country. Like, they've been like in the 200s. It's crazy. Inzo teams
1: are usually, that is just insane. So Insane, right. I, I don't know if they can maintain that. They have better ball handling on this team. Than they have in a long time because mm-hmm. with Hogard you have a legitimate point guard and then Walker is you know not maybe like a starting point guard level at Michigan State ball handler but he's a you know very good for the two and then Akins yeah a point guard in high school he can really handle the ball and then they also have guys who can do stuff in isolation with you know Hall when healthy and, and Hauser you know he's done a much better job this year than in the past of just taking his opportunities when he gets an ISO and just post up and go in and do something. But to return to your original point, A.J. Hogarth's free throw percentage, you know, if you look at Michigan State basketball as a project, you know, as a program, Mm -hmm. where, like, we're really, you know, we want not just every game to be won, but really it's kind of about the entire thing. You want sort of, like, the area under the curve to be maximized. Um, You know, A.J. Hogarth is, to me, I didn't really think he was this kind of guy as a recruit but then as he emerged last season it started to become clear. like okay maybe this is a guy who could like take us all the way to the mountaintop like as like your alpha kind of guard guy I don't know for sure but you know he's maybe not at the level of like Cassius Winston and Mateen Cleaves but he's a really good player and he's really tough and as you noted he's a guy Bill Raftery is going to refer to onions a lot when he's commentating uh games sure and the free throw percentage is representative of a huge development in his game this year which is his shooting and against penn state you know he really won that game in the mid-range um being able to get to that mid-range is is that's always going to be there for him with his ability to get to the rim and he showed a much improved shooting touch. And even though he's only, I think, at 25% uh, or 29% for the year from three, his three-pointer yep. has looked good. His it looks, looks good. Really good. And I think yeah. it'll the, they'll start to fall for him. So him rounding out his offensive package, if you're thinking about like both for this season and for next season, Michigan State reaching their ceiling as a team and as a program, that's probably a bigger deal than any of the other stuff. The only thing you could, that could compete was, you know, if you asked me after the first five games or, or so, I think I would have said, just pick a Maddie Sissoko statistic. The fact that right. they have like a starting center uh, out of him, but he's fallen off a bit. And I think he's still contributing to winning, um, but his production is down. But no, I I can't, I mean, it's definitely one of the things. I don't know if I would pick that individual stat myself but I think the overall development of AJ Hogard you know as represented by his shooting is one of the most important things I've seen this season so I can't,
0: I can't hit on that I'll take that as a half win then that's that's fine you know, if, oh, oh, it's 80 a... percent of a win easy okay or or 88 percent of a win just like <laughs> AJ Hogard's free throw percentage you like that that's called full circle Sam let's go baby bang <laughs> bang uh I got two more coming your way, or maybe even three, I don't, maybe seven. I don't know. We'll see how many okay. I just think up uh, at the end of the interview. But first, Sam, I'm sorry. I got to say goodbye to you really quick because I got to talk to people's so ear off about Built Bar. That's right. Let's go. It's Built Bar time. Gang, you already know what this is all about. We've been talking your ear about Built Bar for weeks, if you're a weeks-long listener. Months, if you've been listening for that long, and God help you, if you've been listening for years, we've been talking about Built Bar for that long they're the best in the business. We're talking the protein bar that tastes better than a candy bar. It says right here, say it tastes as good as a candy bar. It's not as good as a candy bar. It's even better. And with these three flavors, cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, are you kidding me? They are innovating the way that your workouts start. And hey, they're friendly to your taste buds. And they're also friendly to your body we're talking 17 grams of protein in most of these built bars shockingly low sugar and calories and most are in the ballpark of just 130 calories and they also love your wallet as well get 15 percent off your order right now by using promo code locked 15 that's all one word locked on and then the, num- then the number 15 at built.com hey we're talking stocking stuffers. Or if you're one of those crazy people that run out to the mall a few days before Christmas to wrap up all your holiday shopping, hand up on there. Hey, have a built Bar before you go out to fight those crowds. That's right. And also get 15% off your order right now by using code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. One more time, that's LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your order at built.com. Sam, did I sell you on those built bars? Please say yes. Just please.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they ship to Canada, awesome. but uh,
0: I'm in. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they do. I'm sure a lawyer's going to email me after that, being like, "Why did you promise that?" We don't know that for sure, but yeah, <laughs> most like most likely they do. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I a, think I'd you got to spell
1: it different here. It's there's like an e, extra e in there somewhere. I think yeah, I think yeah.
0: Bill Barr with an E at the yeah, that that checks out. B a r
1: r e um, like a for the
0: yes. Barr. <laughs> 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 oh, all right, enough of my horrible French Canadian accent right there. We're gonna get to uh, at least two more takes. I think I think two is all I'm gonna give you here. But I like where we ended the last conversation. Talk about Mati Sissoko and hey, the, the first two takes were were fun takes. You know, they were nice. They were really. High energy about the team. This third one, not quite. Uh, My third take is that the the outlook of the front court here has crashed harder than FTX uh, has. It started off so high, right, Sam? Like We're talking 30 combined points against Kentucky and Gonzaga from one, Mati Sissoko. In the last two games, uh, zero combined points. And quite frankly, look, they played all-American talent against Kentucky, against Gonzaga ever since. Far from all-American talent in opposing front courts, but they're still not getting a lot of production, and it goes further than Mahdi. You know, Jackson Kohler, uh, okay, we're kind of a slow start. Harrison Cooper, of course, is starting slow. He's really not even supposed to be playing right now, but I guess that question is overall to you. I'm sorry this is such a broad, lazy question. Wh- what's going on with the front court? Like, like is this is it is it serviceable, or, or what, in your opinion? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's I know. the...
1: There's still a lot of, um, I think Mahdi does things that still contribute to winning. The thing that he does every game, no matter what, is screen setting. And he really does set great screens. And that might seem like, oh my God, I cannot believe how corny, like, white high school coach you sound <laughs> right now. But like, I mean, w- like, it For makes really. a difference. Like, yeah. it, like, you know, MSU's main offensive play is A.J. Hogard going around ball screen and like, if you watch consistently, like his guy dies on Mahdi's screens. Yeah. And you know, you look at the Penn State game, he just kept getting into the mid range over and over again. That's because you can't defend a pick and roll two on two unless you're gonna switch with uh with him setting screens like that. Now is, the rolling to the rim, you know, I don't know if it's that as much like point guards just aren't looking for him uh rolling to the rim or if it's not there. I haven't like been interested in you know, a ton of close attention to the coverages the teams are running throughout the game. But I think, you know, that was never going to be, Madi Sissoko scoring was never going to be like a main focus of MSU's mm-hmm. offensive strategy. It's essentially like a constraint play on the defense. Like if you don't cover him, we'll throw the lob. But if you play drop coverage, which that's what Penn State was doing, like if your center just backs up, you know, on a pick and roll, yeah. then that's not there. Um, he's got really nice touch on, in the post, but they never go to that. You know, that's not really like something they're, they try to do. So I think it's going, you're going to see him have a big game uh, at some point over th- through the rest of the season. And I think he'll come back. I really like his, you know, physical tools, his effort and his touch around the basket. Those are things that things I think that are going to continue on for him this year and next year. So I'm not too worried about him. Kohler, okay. you know, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's he might just need a little weight room time or something because he's a post sure. guy. He's not getting, like, great looks. Like, Nick Ward would get great looks in the post. You know, like, you were like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's his move. Get He got to his spot. I'm not seeing Kohler do that as much. It looks a little rough offensively, and if he can't do that, you know, th- that's why you're seeing them rotate Cooper in because they're just not getting any like if you're not going to score Jackson Kohler, what would you say it is you do here? You know, you got to learn. <laughs> sure. Right. That's not, you know, that's not his strength. That wasn't a strength coming in anyway. It'll have to become a strength play center. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a problem on the other hand, if you get Malik Hall healthy, I think they'll, they'll close a lot of games with Hauser at center with the small lineup. Yeah. So once again, we come back to our friend Malik being a key piece. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been up and down. I'm still very long on Mādi, just overall. I mentioned a bunch of praise for him earlier. And I think it's also like people forget that like when he was 15, he I think he was living in Mali and right. like, didn't speak English and like had never played basketball. So like he's improving very fast. And like it's not it's not unexpected that he would be inconsistent still is all gotcha. That.
0: You know, like with Mati too, and they have been trying to get him going early in games lately. Like Penn State, I think he got three shots off before the under 16 timeout even rolled around. But like, it's almost as if he's the big man version of Bryn Forbes. And like, this is my memory of Bryn Forbes. This could be correct or incorrect. But like for Bryn, it was either like if that first three didn't go in useless the rest of the game like he, he's, he's going one of eight and just complete dud out there whereas like Mahdi is like well if that first turnaround hook or that first you know yeah square up five footer doesn't fall it's like well okay that's another three-point game for him like <laughs> coming up yeah so,
1: yeah, yeah he, he, I would bet he has a hard time like asserting himself you know and, and I remember yeah. there was an episode of, of Hogarth like yelled at him on the court last year Um, and so you know he probably doesn't have a ton of confidence to really assert himself but it reminds me, like, when I lived in L.A., I watched a bunch of L.A. Clippers, and Doc Rivers was the coach of the L.A. Clippers at that time. They had DeAndre Jordan. And the first play of every single game was a post-up for DeAndre Jordan, like, to just get him involved and get him to sure. try hard. So, is a, you know, that's a well-trod territory to, like, throw it to your defensive center early in the game just to keep him involved. But, I mean, it's not going to be – the the post-ups for him. Like, it's just not going to be the thing. It's it's yeah. rolling hard to the rim and then rim running, being in yep. the dunker spot when somebody else does something and, and catching a lob. Like, that's really where his points are going to come. You know, offensive rebounds, putbacks, that kind of stuff. I, I wouldn't – yeah, I mean, I, I see where they're trying to get
0: him going, but that's just not going to be his thing. Understandable. And the, the last one I'm going to leave you off with is – not even just like a, a hard question. This is kind of a softball. This is more so just to talk about one player. But my, my fourth overreaction is, like, I think that all of us are appreciative of what Tyson Walker is doing. I think we all agree that he's a pretty good player. But like I my fourth overreaction is I, I don't think Tyson Walker is still getting enough respect for what he's been doing so far this season. I still think that he's somehow underrated within like fan bases like, you know, Michigan State. Of course, and hey, hand up like I, I'm part of the problem. I'm one of the people that talk about Michigan State five days a week, so that might be on me that I'm not talking about him enough. But 14 points per game, 39.5% shooting from three, 1.1 steals, and just 1.3 turnovers per game. And oh, yeah, he's doing this all at the tune of 34 and a half minutes per game. So, like Tyson Walker. I just want to talk about him for a little bit. I think he's having a really yeah. nice season so far, Sam. That's it. That's all. That's all I just wanted to say. Yeah. Well, he's, he's been, he's been very good and he's filled a huge role
1: for MSU. You know, I think people expected him to be the point guard last year. He started out as a starting point guard. Hogard taking over that role has really helped Walker unlock the best version of him, which is he's totally. kind of like a three and D point guard, kind of like a Patrick Beverly type, um, where, except the difference is he's a really good shooter. You know, he's a movement shooter and then his ability to get into the mid range and the clutch, like the mid range has been, been money for MSU. Amazing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, and he's just such more of a willing shooter than he was last year. You know, he was so hesitant, struggled so much with confidence. Yeah. So yeah, it's been great to see him playing better. And then he's also been a really a good, a strong player on defense, a difference maker on defense um and playing at the point of attack and being the guy who can run around screens like they have hogard and aikens who are a little more physical perimeter defenders pardon me and hall obviously is a, a much bigger guy but those guys are good at moving their feet and defending isolations what walker does really well is that he's handsy and then he'll also somehow block shots at the rim even though he's like 5'11 um, right. yeah <laughs> but, you know he's been really good on defense and then the ability to just like come off screens firing for him and Hauser just changed the geometry of the floor on offense, and they've gone to that yep. in critical moments. I mean, in that Kentucky game, they went to uh, a three for Walker in the right corner off of a screen late in the game to tie it. I think maybe in overtime. So he's hit some big shots, too. No, you, you gotta love it. You gotta freaking love yeah. it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, he was. Heavily criticized at times last season, and I think he's he's found a way to to play his best basketball.
0: You know, I I got a fifth quick one here, and this is a player we haven't even mentioned yet. I don't think, uh, Pierre Brooks. My fifth overreaction is that, like, my favorite thing, like, my micro weird niche thing about this team so far is when a Pierre Brooks three pointer goes in because my god, that net just splits (laughs) when he hits a switch three point. You can hear the crack from your own couch. When he hits a swish yeah. three pointer, so like that—that's that, that's my fifth overreaction. Is that nothing puts a smile on my face more than a Pierre Brooks clean swish? Obviously, a good candidates can be the Tyson Walker mid-range jump shot because it's going in every time, or uh-huh. a Amadi Sissoko rim-running dunk because oh my god, is the basketball stanchion going to still stand? Like, th- there's a lot of good options, but like whew, Pierre Brooks three crisp. Oh. He's
1: got great form on it. He's only like 34%, screen, but I feel like, yeah, he's. I mean, that's definitely his swing skill. Like, he's not going to really, MSU's never going to have him do on the ball stuff. So he's got to be able to launch and, and yeah. he's doing it. He's got to figure out his defensive game. But that's another thing where, like, my overall view of the season is positive because having Malik Hall hurt and Jaden Aikens hurt a little bit early in the year yep. has forced them to play him and then he'll be ready when they need him later. Like, maybe in their biggest games, not playing that many minutes, but, I mean, like, let's see in a big conference game this year, you know, somebody gets in foul trouble and they're running a play for Brooks off of a screen late in the game, and, you know, Matt, you're probably feeling pretty good
0: because that crack might be coming. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Look at that. Sam, it was great having you on man. It's been way, way too long since we've had you yeah, on. Dude. Sorry for the the large gap here, but oh, just no, we were are talking about before- well, just we your time before recording, you know, like, hey, I'd love to have you on for basketball season. There's been a lot of football that we've had to talk about this season, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. So, <laughs> um, but, yeah, love having you on, man. Would definitely love to have you on later this season. Literally anything that you want to plug right now? Anything? Anything? That you yeah. Want, let's go. Yeah,
1: follow uh, follow us on Twitter at MoveBetterProj, M O V E better, P-R-O-J, DIY physical therapy uh, company.
0: Working on building that thing. Look at that! Bada boom, bada bing. He, he does it all. He talks hoops. He'll make your arm feel better. He'll get your posture fixed. He does it all. Sam Martin, you are the best, and so is everyone else watching and listening. You guys are truly the best. Love every single one of you. I genuinely mean that. This is. It has been quite a stretch for Michigan State sports. Again, some highs, but some lows. You guys are the best for keeping it here. Tune in to Lock On sparns. Hey, tomorrow we got Justin Sin of Twenty Four Seven Sports on the show. The day after that, we'll have Mark Titus on it's going to be a hoot and a half. Let's go. Go green. Love you all.